Why should you consider emergency medicine? What makes a good ER doctor? What changes are on the horizon for the emergency medicine program here at the University of Utah School of Medicine? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Dr. Megan Fix, Assistant Residency Program Director at University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got a great guest today, Dr. Megan Fix. I'm so excited that she came on the podcast. So say hello, Dr. Fix. Hello, Dr. Chan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. All right. So let's get down to brass tacks. You've okay. Got a, you've got a meeting to go to. So let's, uh, let's talk about emergency medicine. All right. So you're an ER physician, correct? Best specialty there is. I am. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How did you choose to be that? And why do you think it's the best specialty? <laughs> well, Dr. Chan, it is so fun because you never know what's going to come in the door. It's always something new. It's always exciting. You never get bored. It is really you take care of adults. You take care of children. You take care of pregnant people. You take care of elderly people, traumas, heart attacks, you name it. It is so fun. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that I picked is I liked everything in medical school. I liked surgery. I liked OB. I liked medicine. And then when I did my ER rotation at the very end of my third year, I just – Really, really liked it because it was everything in one shop. It clicked. Yeah. It totally clicked. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. And so um, you did your residency. Now, I know there's a debate, three versus mm-hmm. four year. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So which one did you do? I did a four-year residency. Wow, four years. I know. But though ER can also be three. It so can. So what's going on with that? It's one of the few <laughs> fields where there seems to be a disagreement. It makes no sense. Um, but it is way beyond me in terms of how that came about. But – The gist is that I think that you should go to the residency that fits you. Mm -hmm. So that could be a four-year. That could be a three-year. That's how I picked. And I went to a residency in Boston um, that was four years. And part of the reason is because I knew that I wanted to do academics. And at that time, now times have changed now, when I went to residency, you really – we're encouraged to do a four-year residency program if you thought you would want to go into academics, which you have more time for electives and research and teaching, etc. Nowadays, however, there's a new model where you can do a three-year residency program and then do a one-year fellowship. And that is essentially equivalent, and some may say even better than doing a four-year residency if you want to go into academics because you then have a niche where you have an expertise in something and you could really contribute to a academic program in that way. So is the fellowship called academic er or what's what's the fellowship called there's lots of different fellowships oh, okay some of so it's them, just doing a fellowship prepares you exactly okay. some uh-huh. of the fellowships are more than one year i just said one year mm-hmm. um but some of the fellowships are acgme sponsored such as pediatrics and mm-hmm. those are either two or three year fellowships um there's also ems there's also um sports medicine and then there's a bunch of other fellowships that people are coming up with that may or may not be acgme sponsored um for example an education fellowship mm-hmm. or an academic fellowship um, there also is an ultrasound fellowship. There is wilderness medicine fellowships. So, so you all, it sounds like you always knew you wanted to go into academics. Like, what attracted you to to academics? And you also talk about your job title here at the U. So, oh sure. Yeah. Um, so I. Right. So at the U, I'm the Associate Residency Director. So Mm -hmm. I work with Susan Stroud, who's our Program Director, who's fantastic. Uh, And we, along with another man, Brendan Cummins, who works at IMC, we coordinate the residency program here. Mm -hmm. I also direct the fourth-year medical students' track um, of acute care, Mm -hmm. which encompasses emergency medicine and anesthesia. 
So to answer your question about academics, I guess I always knew that I really enjoyed teaching from a very young age. I was mm-hmm. a tutor going back to elementary school. And then I really got into teaching more in undergraduate. And then in medical school, I took a year off and was a, a teaching associate for an undergrad course um, at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And I really just loved it. And so I think that when you teach, you learn the best. And mm-hmm. I always like learning. And um, I love, love, love working with medical students and residents. Awesome. What attracted you to Utah? How did you end up here? Out here? <laughs> it's a long story. Uh, it goes <laughs> well, <laughs> we've got lots of time on the podcast. We love I can go get more batteries. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so my husband um, had done some work out here mm-hmm. in Park City. He's a green real estate developer. And at the time, then we were in Boston and then we were in Maine for a while, but he always wanted to get back out to Utah. He loves the mountains and Mm -hmm. skiing and mountain biking. Um, And I really wanted to do a residency job. And it just so happened that the timing was right. And there was a residency um, position, Mm -hmm. which is my position now. And we came out. Boom. It's been great. Awesome. And so I get asked about the curriculum a lot. And I'm just going to segue into what you just said. Um, like one of the things I love about a curriculum here, there's a lot of innovation. I know they created these fourth year tracks. Mm-hmm. So what is the track and like what, what's that like and like how does that prepare the med students? Like what, what's, what's going on with that fourth year track? It is really cool and I wish that we had had it in my medical school. So some of the criticisms about fourth year of medical school in general mm-hmm. um, in the medical community is that students just kind of go and do their own thing. They go traveling. They do a bunch of, quote, research months Mm -hmm. um, and they don't really have a lot of clinical time or even just time together and what is the point of the fourth year right should we just take it out so our idea was to make a little more structure to the fourth year with two main aims the first of which which I think is one of the biggest aims is to help mentor the students along their um, process into getting into residency so starting with their CV and their personal statement Mm -hmm. and doing mock interviews and working with them to try and figure out is this the right program for me to apply to? How mm-hmm. many interviews should I do? How do I approach talking to the residency program director after the interview? We just go through a Do I lot. send those thank you notes? Do I send those thank you How notes? How many thank you notes is too much? I know. Sometimes we just call them love letters. Lovingly. Yes. Lovingly yes, love letters. Love How many letters? love letters? Is like, when does it cross <laughs> to the point of stalking? I'm sure that's one. Uh, you can bring me in. I can talk about it. Uh, so anyway, we can talk more about yeah. love letters. All right. So, okay. So that's great. So how many students a year usually choose emergency medicine coming out of our med school? Oh, it is very variable. I think the biggest year that we've had recently has been like 20 out of okay. a class of, you know, 80. 80. Okay. Um, so one quarter. Yes. Wow. Which was a lot. Okay. Um, last year we had five. The year before that, I believe we had 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say around you know, 10 mm-hmm. to 15 ish would probably be, um, accurate, but it changes every year. Mm-hmm. And then you're also help out with the residency program here. So let's talk about the residency program. Mm-hmm. So is it a three or four year? Three year. Three year. Okay. And, and what does the three years look like? Where do they rotate? What's the schedule? I mean, what, what's, what's the typical resident schedule? Great question. So, um, and back to three and four, most of the residency programs in the country are three years. So we'll talk about that as a model. Mm -hmm. Most of the three-year programs, you start off your intern year and you spend about half of the year in the emergency department. Mm -hmm. And you'll do some of that in pediatrics somewhere. We do it at Primary Children's and some of it usually at a community site. Ours is IMC. Mm -hmm. And then you spend the rest of that year doing different rotations such as anesthesia to practice airway. You do OB to Mm -hmm. learn delivering babies. You do at least one month of critical care, maybe two. And then you also do trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you may have some other rotations like orthopedics. We do orthopedics up at the ski mount. 
mountains, which is super fun. And, um, and then typically something else. Mm-hmm. But that varies. Sometimes ophthalmology, sometimes ENT, sometimes radiology. It totally depends. Um, then your second year, you spend more time in the emergency department, so maybe nine months of the year. But you still do pediatrics. And in our program, we do pediatrics throughout the year. So you get to see not only pediatrics throughout the winter months, so bronchiolitis and URIs, but you also see pediatric trauma in the summer. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you also do more ICU. So here we do a, another trauma month. We do a another ICU month over at IMC. You also do um, uh, some elective time during that year. And then depending on where you are, sometimes you'll get a research month or something else. Mm-hmm. Then third year, you're pretty much mostly in the emergency department. You're running the department. You're supervising medical students and junior level residents. Mm-hmm. You also do another month of trauma and another month of ICU. And then you do a month of PICU. Okay. And so you have hard months in there every year, ICU months, but we do it in a graduated responsibility. So your intern ICU month is different from your senior ICU month. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do um, elective time in there as well. And Remember, every year you get a vacation. Okay, that's good. Three weeks, right? Um, you get three weeks of vacation. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Consistent across the residency programs. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, how many residents a year do you take? We take now nine residents for a three-year program. Okay. Oh, so you've grown. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, and how many people do you interview for those nine spots? And what does your interview day look like? Mm, very good. So we typically will interview any student who comes to do a rotating um, – uh, elective with us during their fourth year from a different medical school exactly so right now we have some students from uvm from florida from other places they all interviewed with us last week so we started interviewing last week for this cycle because we want to make sure that all those students (laughs) we want to make sure that those students get an interview and they don't have to pay money and fly back Mm -hmm. out we always interview all of our Utah students as well. So mm-hmm. anybody who's from Utah, we always interview them. And then we also interview about 100 more people. So it ends up being like 150 people. Um, for, for nine spots. Mm-hmm. Fairly competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does their interview day look like? So they typically will come around 8 o'clock in the morning, and we will have an introduction by Susan Stroud, Mm -hmm. um, our program director. She'll give an overview of the program for an hour, and then they'll come to conference for Mm -hmm. an hour. And that's always fun because the residents are there, and we have either a guest speaker or one of our speakers or a resident or cases or sim or something. And then they will do interviews, and they typically do three, at least three interviews um, with faculty members, so usually... Susan or myself, mm-hmm. and then another faculty member or two. Sometimes we have resident interviews, um, but typically it's faculty. Mm-hmm. And so there's usually the student will go through a series of three interviews, and then after that we'll have lunch, and lunch is with the residents, so they can ask the residents any questions. And then there is a short tour of the facilities, and then they are free mm-hmm. to go ski or whatever. Okay. The other thing that is I really recommend that students do as much as they can on their interview trail is the pre-interview social. Mm. So we have a dinner. It's always somewhere in Salt Lake. We, we choose different restaurants. Um, but that is a really, really great way for the residents to get to know you and for you to get to know the residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also really, really fun. And get a we, sense of the culture. Yeah, The mm-hmm. culture, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we do something a little different than a lot of residencies in which – faculty come so susan and myself 
and Brendan typically will come to those dinners. Um, and for the it just food, right? Shows for the food <laughs> and the camaraderie. And the camaraderie. All right. But I think we have a very family-friendly, like really collegial right. atmosphere. And so you're absolutely right, Dr. Chan. The culture um, comes out mm-hmm. when you go to those socials. So who do you look for? I mean, how do you – I mean, what kind of qualities do you look for in your applicants? I mean, who? what are the students that do really well in your program? Great question. We, first and foremost, want – people who are nice and will work well as a team and will fit in um, with our culture, meaning not someone who's going to put other people down to get ahead, that type of thing. Um, And then we also obviously want a good student, someone who's done well on their boards, but we don't have a cutoff for board scores, for example. We look through all the applications and really try to look at the person as a big picture, Mm -hmm. as a package. Mm People who do well here are also people who really want to leave their mark on the program and try to make us better because Susan and Brendan and I want this to be the best program in the country. And to do that, you have to listen to your residents. You have to take their feedback into account, and you really have to try and work with the times and make things better. And we um, take that very seriously. So we want the feedback from the residents. And uh, the people who come have done amazing, amazing things. I'm just constantly impressed by the innovations that our residents come up with and mm-hmm. how smart they are. I mean, they are really, really smart people. What are some of the? Can you give me an example of a, uh, of a cool innovation that one of your residents came up with? So let's see. One of our residents um, was this the cards because I know that's very unique. The feedback cards. Oh, the blue cards. Yeah. Oh. Is that really unique? I don't know. I don't. I don't know it many other services that do that. Who came up with that? Perhaps. Um, when we talk about the blue service card as well, so the listeners know what we're talking about. So the blue, the, the blue cards, the blue cards are these little cards that are in the department. When so when a medical student rotates, um, they give their faculty member or their senior resident a blue card mm-hmm. to fill out an evaluation in real time with them, and then you can sit down with them and give them actual live feedback mm-hmm. and then we collect them and then we are able to because uh, the hard part score. is when med students usually rotate through different services like internal mm-hmm. medicine you're on the same team for you know x amount of days and you get to know mm-hmm. the team and they give you feedback i think the hard part in er is that you have different attendings rotating through at all different times so right. correct me if i'm wrong that's where the blue cards came from to kind of to kind of like spark immediate feedback because you may never see this attending again because they may rotate off that night and not come back on service for a while Right. Correct. Okay. Right. Yes, right. exactly. Because you're working with many different attendings, okay. you want to get an accurate picture of how the student's performing. Mm-hmm. So we try to get as many blue cards as possible, and mm-hmm. then you get a more accurate assessment of what their mean score is. Because I've heard the med students talk. They really like the blue cards, <laughs> and they're very judicious and uh, tactical about who they give those to. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, well, yeah. you know what? This is a good podcast for me, too, yeah, learning so, the inside scoop. I know. You need to listen to the podcast more, Dr. Fix. <laughs> All right. So your residents, where do, they, when, where do they end up after they graduate? Do, how, do a lot of them do these fellowships? Do a lot of them get jobs? If so, where? I mean, where, where's, where are people hiring nowadays? Where are people going? Yeah. Great question. Um, for our particular program, we allow any of our residents to stay on for a fellowship year here if mm-hmm. they choose. So we have at least one or two residents out of we used to have eight residents a year who stay here to do either an ultrasound fellowship or an ems or research Mm -hmm. fellowship um most of the residents do go out and find jobs in the community we actually have had a lot of them stay at imc or the va or twilla Mm -hmm. we've had one resident work in rock springs um and then we have had residents go all over we've had residents go to seattle to California. So it sounds like the job market as well. Kentucky. Yes, Mm -hmm. they've done really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think 
whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. we try to work with them very early on to get them to that goal. Mm-hmm. Because emergency medicine has so many really cool avenues, and it's our job to help them get their dream job. Yeah. So I'm going to throw out a political question. Sure. I, I, this is the you're now you're now in the hot seat, Doctor Fix. It's hot. Ooh. All right. It's hot. So um, with the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Mm-hmm. The reasoning was that if we increase health insurance to more people, they would not use the ERs as much for primary care appointments. What has what is your what have you seen? What has happened? You know, mm-hmm. do you do you see people using the ER less, or is it still the same? Or since you know the state of Utah has not exactly expanded Medicaid yet, so is that is that? So I was curious about your thoughts because you're in the front lines, you're in the trenches. So great question, um, which has a very long answer. But the bottom line right now is I don't think it's changed. Okay. I think that people are still coming to the ER. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes a long time to change the culture um, of something. And right now it's particularly busy because it's summer and we always get lots of summer traumas. So the ER is just bursting at the seams. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the ideas are all well and good. Mm -hmm. The ideas are all well and good. I think we just need to oil it a little bit more and Mm -hmm. make it work. But, hey, you know what? That's one of the cool things about working in the ER is that I don't really care what kind of insurance they have. I don't even ask. I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. take care of them when they come in the door. And there are laws to protect me to let me do that. Mm -hmm. So whoever comes, we're going to take care of them. Okay. Excellent. Excellent answer. I liked it. All right. So you mentioned – I have some other prepared questions. You're in the hot seat. All right. So you mentioned summer accidents. All right. So you did your training in Boston, Mm -hmm. also worked in Maine, and now in Utah. Mm -hmm. So what's kind of the difference between the different patients you see in the ER? I I assume – and I'm being very pejorative here. In Maine, a lot of lobster accidents. You know, (laughs) people getting bit or clipped or I don't know what the verb is that lobsters do to people. Probably different than what you see in Utah, right? So what are some of the top things you see? Is it mostly outdoor types of accidents? Or, yeah. Oh, Compared to those other places. Broken bones. Okay. Um, whether it be from pick your activity of choice, skiing or mountain biking, things that people come here for. But yeah. I'll tell you, the motorized activity sports, mm-hmm. especially under the influence of some substance, can be really, really devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, and the unhelmeted motorized vehicle activity sports. With, uh, with alcohol. With alcohol. Sounds like a dangerous Some of the worst that I've ever seen. ATVs, I got to tell you, so dangerous. So you're telling me that people are not riding ATVs in downtown Boston. That, that was kind of a unique. Not very much. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So where is the program head? What's on the horizon? Where, where is the residency program going? We are going to the moon, Dr. Chan. I and, and lucky are those that are along for the journey. <laughs> so we really want to expand the residency program mm-hmm. a little bit more. We're approved for 12 residents a year, but right now we're at nine, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is, is because I think we – we are going places with what the residents bring us. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, um, one of our current – sorry, f- uh, fellowship directors was a pre- pre- previous resident and chief resident in our program. And he is taking ultrasound to Amazing Lake. So mm-hmm. another podcast you should listen to called the Ultrasound Podcast by Mike Mallon, who okay. I'm talking about. Um, so he came in as a – as a fresh intern a few years ago and then just totally took our program to amazing places with ultrasound and he's changing the world with ultrasound. Is he doing the handheld thing with the iPhone? Cause I know that's a big deal. I've been to conferences where they, he does all of it. He does okay. Google glasses. Okay. He does podcasts. He does 
conferences in Australia. Anyways, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. So what our residents bring helps us become more of the future. And the biggest thing that we're doing right now um, in terms of that is trying to be more millennial friendly in terms of the way that we structure our didactic program, mm-hmm. the way we structure how we um, have the residents learn because residency is always learning, right? So mm-hmm. right now we're doing some asynchronous um, conference okay. where you can get credit for a didactic conference if you do podcast at home. If you listen to a podcast at home, you should get credit for it, right? So are you getting credit for this podcast, Dr. Fix? I wish. I think you should. I'll, I should, I'll email I your program director. You right. should, yeah, right. you should do right. that because, you know, I'm not only like listening to it, I'm giving it with Yeah, you. you are in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're among it. We are among it. So, so, so we're social trying media, podcast. Yeah, okay. so right. we're trying to do some adult le- learning and all of those things um, to mesh what people are needing from mm-hmm. their education with what they are giving and getting because residency you work hard you are learning a lot by on the job training um, but you also need to learn and keep up with what medicine is these days right I mean there's so many things that are new and happening and we want to try to be abreast with those things but also do it in a way that makes um, it more engaging for the learner and also sticks with them yeah mm-hmm. you know Gotta get it sticky, like in that New England <laughs> Journal article by Charles Prober, who's also from Stanford. Awesome. You gotta make learning sticky. Mm-hmm. Sticky. That's the that's the message of the podcast for the day. Sticky so you're going learning. up to twelve residents. You're gonna involve social media, more stickiness, more different ways to learn. Are you expanding? I mean, are you gonna be at different sites, or is it kind of maxed out all the places you can rotate at? Mm. I mean, like, let me think. Well, like, answer, let yeah. me get like like Park City. There's a lot of skiing accidents up there. Is there rotation up there? There or? is. Oh, okay. There's so, an uh, there's an orthopedics rotation up there. So okay. they go to the Park City Clinic. They go to the Alta Clinic, the mm. Snowbird Clinic. They oh. love that rotation because okay. they get to ski. Awesome. And they just happen to get a pass that day that they're working too. So it's great. Great. Um, we go to the VA and mm. we go to IMC and we go to primaries. Okay. Um, we what might, about riding the the helicopter? Do they they get do. To, yes, they cool. ride the helicopter on uh, AirMed. Okay. I forgot to ask. I forgot to mention that. Sorry. That's mm-hmm. the EMS rotation. Okay. Well, that sounds really cool. Oh, this sounds awesome. So fun. You yeah. should come back and do a year residency. Uh, I don't think you'll uh, – that's a whole separate podcast if you can do two <laughs> residencies. I will tell you though that during – so um, I'm a child psychiatrist by training and I did my intern year in Washington, D.C. As part of my intern year, I did do one month of ER. You learn a lot very quickly and I yeah. was terrified but then it worked out well. And this is back in the day, back in the day when – uh, we had 12-hour shifts, so either 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And inner city hospital, you n- learn a lot. And I remember I was on the teaching team. Are there teaching teams versus regular teams here, or are they mm. all teaching teams? They're all teaching teams okay. here, yeah. I remember like on the there, there, there was this magnet, teams A, B, or C, and, and the charge nurse. So every third patient would just get assigned to you. Mm. And I remember just st- staring at that board, hating it, because we get 20, 30 35, 40 patients deep and our computers, like they would just be flashing, you know, cause people would just start like <laughs> magically appearing, you know, you start reading all the chief complaints. So yeah, it was, I learned a lot. And so I've always kind of had like this like respect for ER because it was so fun and, and chaotic and, and, you know, people like people speaking Spanish and college kids drunk, passed out and, and then someone in police custody. And, you know, so it's just, there's just all this stuff going on. So I, yeah. I loved it. And a lot of good teaching that happened too. So last question, Dr. Fix, before you have to go. Um, what's the biggest misconception about being an ER doctor? I mean, what, what, I mean, you know, when you tell people oh, you're an ER doctor, do they automatically think of that George Clooney show? Or, or I mean, what's the b- biggest misconception about working in the ER? 
there's not so much jokey jokey going on in the um, supply rooms as you see on TV. Okay. Um, but no. In all seriousness, let me think. What is the biggest misconception? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the shows make it very dramatized and sometimes make it seem like the air doctors may be calloused in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple things. I think that it's not always trauma all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Meaning it's not always gunshot wounds or yeah, people I mean, actively trying to pass away on you. Yes. Yeah. There is all that stuff mm-hmm. happening. Maybe mm-hmm. not every two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, depending, though, when you were in inner city D.C., yes, that happens more often, especially mm-hmm. on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, but I think the other thing is that you do have a lot of time with patients that is just dealing with whatever they come in with. That yep. may be the abdominal pain that they've had for a long time. Maybe they're concerned that they might have cancer. Or maybe they have noticed some blood in their stool or maybe mm-hmm. they slipped down some stairs. I mean, a lot of the things that would happen to you or me in everyday life, we see that kind of stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And mm-hmm. I think that it's one of the great things about the job. So, um, like I said, it is definitely the Forrest Gump approach to medicine. Mm-hmm. Life is like a box of chocolates. And you never know what you're going to get, but when you get it, it's always sweet. I think I think we should end on that note. We cannot top Forrest Gump. So, what a great movie, right. Doctor Chan. You are always a pleasure to be with. Thank you so much. Well, Doctor Fix, I'm going to have you come back on the podcast a year from now, just for an update here at where the program's doing, and we'll talk more about movies and things like that. All right. Thanks, Dr. Fix. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.